Peloton is gifting you their best offer of the season. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that is right for you with accessories ranging from cycling shoes to non-slip grip dumbbells and more. Whether you have 10 minutes to spare for a strength class or 30 minutes for a running or cycling class, there's a workout that works for you with music that is truly iconic. So don't miss out on Peloton's best offer of the season. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 6, 2022. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Isn't that what life's all about? Just trying to figure it out uh, I like to think that you can't fake love Or else we'd have it by now yeah. What's up everyone? It is Friday, June 22nd, 2018. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast and I am your interim host, Jesse Carey. Cameron will be back with us next week. But in the meantime... It's 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 me, and you're in for just a wild, wild, dangerous <laughs> ride. I suggest dangerous. turning your earbuds two notches lower because things are going to get crazy. Uh, but oh I'm not on gosh. this wild ride. Buckle up, kids. <laughs> I'm not on this wild ride alone. Uh, joining me from Nashville, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. Also from Nashville, author, speaker, podcaster. Download that sounds fun as soon as you finish this podcast. If you, I'm sure you subscribe already, but you should. Even if you haven't already, Annie F. Downs, also from Nashville, with us here today. That's right. Good morning, gents. Tyler, how jealous, like on a one to ten scale, are you of my intro versus your intro? I, I am not a multi hyphenate. So yeah. I, I so it's I can and I can't pretend to be. I, am I jealous? Sure, but I'm but I'm also I'm maybe reasonable. you're just man enough. You're just man enough on your own without titles. And I, I don't even they're know like I'm still would... new to the family, even though I've been here half a year. <laughs> they're still like, let's make sure people know that she she like can be here. She can okay, I'll I'll do it again. Freshly haircutted. Tyler Huckabee. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And holding it down in the studio there in Orlando, dashing as always, Andre Henry. Mm-hmm. Yo. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how you intro. That's how, that's how that's how you intro. Uh, hey, listen, everyone, we have a really great show uh coming up for you. As we alluded to on Wednesday, we have Matthew Sorens on, uh a brilliant guy and uh, a very Matthew. passionate activist. Um he is the US Director of Church Mobilization at World Relief. He's also the national coordinator at the Evangelical Immigration Table. Uh, he and Jenny Yang, uh, who is also at World Relief, are the co-authors of a book, Welcoming the Stranger, which is a new edition is being released of that book soon. He's going to come on and talk about uh, what's going on with the immigration debate and show us how uh, Christians can can help those uh, kind of caught in, in the middle of it here. So. Coming up, Man, now, coming up soon, Matthew Sorens. Really excited about that. Uh, we got a lot to get to. We got slices. We got listener of the week. Uh, so I don't want to take too much time. Um, but I was talking to Tyler between shows and Tyler told me something interesting. I just want to mention for a minute. Tyler busted out the old skateboard this weekend. Well, We're kind of yes. talking about that the weekend. Yes. And Tyler just offhandedly mentioned that he went skateboarding this weekend. Tyler, what inspired that? I would say two things. First of all, uh, I, if we're going to get technical, longboarding. Okay, that doesn't count. Uh, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, you longboard. Yeah, I'm a. I, 
Oh. Annie, I'm 33 years old. Skateboarding <laughs> is a young man's game. Longboarding is how you kind of age into Leisurely the, the like upper echelon. Like I'm a, like a, a wizened older longboarder mm. who the other who the younger skateboarders can like look up to. Okay, I have a question. Oh, okay. I have a question. Uh, Annie, Andre, and I know the answer for Chandler because I've actually Chandler. I think back in the day, yeah. I, was it you? And okay, so back in the day, this is Me like this is like twelve years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. we had the relevant had an office that had like a like a parking on the roof, and. Me, Chandler, and uh, uh, Wes Smalls. You remember? I, I, you, you're still buddies with Wes, right, Chandler? Yep. 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 Uh, we would, after work, sometimes skateboard on the roof and do all oh of my our gosh, tricks and stuff. So cool, Annie, Andre. Were you guys? <laughs> so cool. Did you guys skateboard at all growing up? No. This is so sad. I didn't grow up with any brothers or even neighbors that were boys, and so I had one neighbor boy, but he was a lot older than us, and so we never. And I grew up. I kind of, y'all don't know this about me. I kind of grew up on a farm, and so we didn't have sidewalks. So oh, I never wow, skateboarded. Man. I only rode bikes. Uh, Andre, did you did you break out the skateboard ever when you were a kid? I did a little bit. Um, my step, yeah, for sure, Andre. My stepbrother was a huge Tony Hawk fan, and he got um, my my actual brother and I to at least try skateboarding around the neighborhood. I was never good at it, but I did try. Yeah, I, it, it reminds me of things that like we stopped doing as adults for no apparent reason. Like just one day you're like, I can't skateboard anymore. I've hit a certain age where it's not. <laughs> I, I just don't do it. And it's ridiculous. And I think we need to to throw out that mentality. You know what's really fun? And if you just if people would just have the the courage to admit it and they'd be lying if they said it's not and it's like the perfect mode of transportation and no one does it because they think it's uncool is rollerblading like <laughs> let's be real with ourselves let's just let's just ignore the oh social stigma around it for a yeah. minute okay okay so, so here's the thing okay here's the okay. thing my wife liz riggs bought a pair of roll i was on the longboard she okay. was on the blades she was blading yes. to me yeah. over the weekend <laughs> Did she look cool? I mean, she's beautiful. She yeah. always looks beautiful. She did not look cool, but she <laughs> but she went faster than I. You know, she, it's a great way to get around. They're super rad. They're, they got some little purple piping on them, so they're you know they're, oh they're pretty cool. And uh, and and everybody who like and and you you see the reactions of people looking at her on the rollerblades because there is this sort of it's jealousy it, it well it's it judgment it's, it's, it, it's like hipster judgment and then it instantly turns to jealousy because you know what <laughs> I, I like once i've gotten older once i've gotten older like uh, I, i've like I, i'll jog occasionally and every time yeah. i jog now you know what goes through my head you know what would make this jog a thousand times better if there were wheels connected to my shoes right now, <laughs> and people that are rollerblading are living that dream. They're just blasting around the neighborhood, but you never see them anymore. You never see yeah. rollerblades. You come to East either. Nashville. You you keep an eye out for a beautiful young woman with blonde hair, just flowing back in the breeze like Pocahontas, and j- and she's like thirty miles an hour. That's I was my wondering wife, where y'all were, if y'all were like on the Greenway or something, Tyler and, and Tyler. I, I guarantee you she was having more fun. Chandler, did, did you say you know a rollerblader? Well, I uh, I was, I was going to say over the weekend for my birthday party, me and friends went to a roller skating rink that had yes. rollerblades as an option. Oh. So there was these, there were some <gasps> people there with speed skates mm, who were yeah. ripping around the roller skating rink uh, looking real cool. Yeah, I don't understand. What's this social stigma about rollerblades about? I don't understand. 
Yeah, mm. I don't know where I don't know where it's it originated, but they've just been like in skateboarding culture. It's it's looked down upon a lot. Yeah, skate. Yeah, skateboard. I think it started with like skateboarders kind of thinking like rollerbladers were kind of like posers back in the day. You know, like right. yeah. they yeah, just exactly. rollerblades have always just been very uncool. Let me enter myself into the <laughs> blading situation. Picture Annie on a Saturday. And she has wheels on her shoes. Yes. Is it cooler that the wheels are in a straight line or is it cooler that they're in a square? Straight line. Depends on what else you okay. want. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's what I think. I think that like regular roller skates look kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It does. <laughs> as long as you dress the part, you're oh, good. See, I think regular roller skates are way more retro and cool. I would buy roller skates before I dry by inline. Yeah. But, 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 but here's the thing it, like a superior technology has emerged. And at that point, you're just doing it to, to, yeah. It's like, you know, like you're someone just doing riding it to work at Sonic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I've always yeah. wanted to roller skate around Sonic just to see if they hand me food. You know what I mean? Like, hey, hey. <laughs> Space number six. Hey, Wait, no, tater tots. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but riding roller skates, riding roller skates is the equivalent of riding like a penny farthing bike, like one of those bikes with the giant front wheels. Like it's funny at first, like, hey, I haven't seen one of those in a while. Uh, look yeah. at that. You know, that's Taylor Hope. You know, it's, it's a guy riding a big funny bike. <laughs> then you're like, why didn't you just get a real bike? If he's using, if you're, Annie, if you're using the, the, the roller skates yeah. to get around and the exercise, just go with blades. Just go with blades. So the Eagles are the roller blades of music and I'm roller skates are the penny farthers of transportation. <laughs> of, of, of cycling. The, the penny farthers of, of cycling. I see. Do you know, Jesse, this is a call back, but I think you taught me that word. In like 2006 on the podcast. I don't think I knew that word until I heard it on the relevant podcast a million moons ago. Penny farther? Is that the word? For the large, for the large bikes with the giant wheel with no chain, where you just basically you're sitting on one giant wheel. It's a very dangerous cycle. It makes no sense. Like Leonardo da Vinci when he was like inventing it or cycling or whatever. (laughs) It made me lose all respect for him or whoever invented it. The Wright brothers. I don't know. Whoever it was. (laughs) By the way, by the way, I was thinking about the Wright brothers. Recently, I don't know why I'm doing a bit here. Let's be objective here. Not that impressive. Not that what, impressive. What's not impressive? Like, they what get the a lot of credit. They, they get a lot of credit. They jumped off a sand dune and they lasted in the air like eight seconds. And they look like that's the future of aviation. Okay. It, I feel like if, if I was around at the time of the Wright brothers, okay, and this is a bold statement. And someone said, Hey, I bet you, if tank. I give you a year, you can't stay in the air. You can't jump off a dune and stay off the air for more than eight seconds. I think I could probably do it. I'm just being, I'm just being for all. I think anyone on this podcast could do it. They really wanted to. I throw shade at the Wright brothers. They didn't do anything to me. I don't want to be associated with this bet. Because uh, I, I, I don't think I don't think that I could now with the technology available to us Thank you. to fly over the ocean could create something capable of lifting me off the ground for more than than two and a half seconds. Uh, Andre, I'm with you, you. I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm, Andre's on my side with this. Andre's a man that holds multiple graduate school degrees, as we've talked about on PhD. other podcasts. He seriously he, considers a PhD. I have an honorary doctorate from ITT Tech from ECPI, uh, TV VCR repair. Honorary. Andre, if me and you, if someone made a bet, hey, you guys can take a year and make some contraption and jump off a sand dune and stay in the air longer than 10 seconds, you think we could do it? Uh, I'm going to have to advise against it. That sounds dangerous. <gasps> yeah. 
I don't even know you guys. Huh? I don't even know you guys anymore. People no. go in flight suits all the time, do they not? I mean, you've seen those videos on YouTube where someone's like flying <laughs> down a mountain. Hey, you know one what I mean? thing yeah. that we just like really skimmed over, Chandler Strang, is it's your birthday this week? It was on Saturday. <gasps> Happy oh, birthday, pal. You went, yeah, other than going to a roller skating rink, what'd you do? No, that was what I did. Roller skating. Just, did, you, know, did, you, did you plan that? Did you plan I it? I did. I sure did. Did it? Hey, I, I've thought about, I ride by a roller skating rink sometimes and I'm always remember how much fun I had there when I was a kid. And now I think, man, it'd probably be really fun. But my concern would be like 10 minutes in. I'm like, okay, it, I gotta yeah. go. We yeah. were there for an hour and that was the right <laughs> amount of time, basically. Yeah. You, you skate around a little bit. You get some, uh, you know, terrible food and, you know, yeah. have, have a good time. But at the, at the end of the hour, you're ready to go. Yeah. Very yeah. quickly. If you're not like a great skater, I always skater, fell then in love with a do. new fifth. Right. When I was in fifth grade and we went for skate nights, I always fell in love with a new skate with a new guy from my fifth grade class, and I always <laughs> fell in love with a new kind of candy. Those were the two guarantees every time I went to the skating rink. <laughs> hey, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure uh, happened at that age when the lights dimmed. And it was couple skate time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. I mean, a lot of pressure. The yeah. way the feeling you would get in your stomach when you knew that that song was coming that it was the next one and the couples jumped out there the ones who had been dating since the beginning of fifth grade they jumped out there but then you and your crush sitting on you're with the girls he's with the dudes what's gonna happen halfway through the the song oh my god here's the thing i use couple skate as a cool down because i've been out there dominating the game of red light green light (laughs) would you you skate with a girl or would you just you were just slowing down no i'm I'm going to fill up my large you know coke which i made a suicide i said hey run it through the garden tour italy on that every <laughs> time drink in that thing i gotta i gotta sugar up here oh <laughs> that's what you tell my subway when you want everything you tell them run it through the garden they know yeah. and you just put a little little bit of everything said so run that fountain drink through the, through the garden i gotta fuel up i got another round of red light green light i gotta go dominate so i wasn't into the couple <laughs> state a little, little i have a whole life for about romance yeah. All right, so uh, uh, happy birthday, to by say. the way, Cameron. That's what all that yeah, started. Happy birthday, happy birthday buddy. I'm glad yeah, you're born. Birthday, thank you, thank yeah. you. How, how did? Can I? I hope this isn't too personal, Chandler. But no. how did couple skate go for you? The, <laughs> it went pretty well. I was there with the dates, so you know. Oh, all right, yeah. perfect. Who so, did makes you it, compete? That makes it a lot easier. Did you compete in red light, green light? I, that must have happened before we got there because uh, <laughs> you, got, you got ripped off. You yeah. got ripped off, friend. Hate to tell you. All right. So, uh, uh, all that to say, that's a, that was a long intro. Um, but we, hey, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. But first, slices. Slices. All right, guys, time for slices. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at three different faces. Who should start us off? Let's go with Annie F. Downs. Okay, listen, I, for starters, this is the first week that this has ever happened to me, but someone sent me a slice on the internet and it was very funny. It's not what I'm doing today, but I have enjoyed that people are finding slices for me now because that just makes my life easier. So yeah, send them on. I'll still, I got a little folder I store them away in for the rainy days where I can't find one. But I found one of my like things that I'm great at is getting pulled over. I get pulled over (laughs) above average, above average. And I'm not even always speeding per se, but the other, like the other week I got pulled over because I turned onto the interstate at a red light. I didn't rise. It was a no turn on red. And I saw the cop sitting next to me and I had been (laughs) picking a new song on Spotify. And so I threw my phone in my passenger seat, stopped long enough for the light and then get on the interstate. Anyway, he pulls me over and he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, 
I put my phone down like an idiot. Why would I say that? Uh, <laughs> I said, I put my phone down. And he was like, uh, no, you weren't supposed to turn it that light. But also, oh, I wish your phone oh, in. No. I'm such an idiot. But so this guy, this state trooper, pulls a man over and uh, in New Jersey for having tinted windows. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of an older guy. And, and while they're, while he's going through the process, the older man, his name is Matthew Bailey. Matthew Bailey says to the policeman, Michael Patterson says to the policeman, Hey, I actually retired from a neighboring town police department. He was probably trying to get out of the ticket, right? He says, yeah. I retired yeah. from a neighboring town and policeman Ma- Ma- Michael Patterson says, well, I grew up there, actually. That is so funny. That's the town I grew up in. And he said what street he grew up on. Mike, uh, Matthew, Michael Bailey. Why do they have similar first names? Matthew Bailey. We'll just call him Bailey and Patterson. Bailey getting okay. pulled over. Patterson, <laughs> policeman. Ready? Bailey says, when I was a policeman, I actually helped a mom who had her child at home 27 years ago. Like, I, I was a rookie cop and I delivered a baby on that street. Wow. And oh my actually... Gosh. The baby's name was Michael, and the policeman says, "Dude, that was me. No, you way. delivered wow. me. <laughs> I'm no. still writing you a ticket because I'm yeah, ashamed that you grew up to be ticket. such a bad driver. Yeah. <laughs> they literally took a picture together as they were getting pulled over. When the guy pulled him over, when Patterson pulled over Bailey, and then they went to his mom's house and took a picture together at his mom's house. But what are the chances he pulls over the guy who was a policeman 27 years ago who was there when he was born and helped him be born? I still do want to know if he got a ticket. (laughs) No, he said instead of giving him a ticket for his tinted windows, Patterson advised him to change the glass. (laughs) See, see, that's... That ain't cool. That's nepotism, basically. Right. You don't get special treatment. I'm glad I delivered you. But look, that doesn't make your windows less tinted. Okay? That's the law right. is the law. Right. Law is the law. Here's, right, exactly. here's an equipment violation. 50 bucks. Right. I, love I, would, I love stories like that. That's so fun, isn't it? Like, what are the chances that that kind of stuff happens? I, I Next time I get pulled over, I'm going to look at the officer and be like, you're not going to believe this officer. I delivered you. <laughs> when you were born, I delivered you. And he's like, I'm, I'm clearly older than... No, well... It's yeah, miraculous. I know you're older than me. It's a, it's a, that makes the story even wilder. Even yeah. even more reason not to give me a ticket. I <laughs> All the more reason not to give me a ticket. <laughs> I traveled in time to deliver you, officer. You think I'm you traveling sure? fast now? You see how fast I was traveling through time to birth yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. I have to get this DeLorean up to a certain speed in order to go back there. You don't want to prevent that, do you, officer? <laughs> I'm going to set the clock tower on fire. I'm warning you of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a handy way to get out of a ticket. Uh Tyler, what do you got for your slice, man? All right. So my slice comes uh to us from the world of the Bachelorette. Uh which oh. is uh, a I'm world that I'm not about super this. familiar. <laughs> I'm not super familiar with. I've never actually seen a full episode. That's not true. I, I watched one episode uh, which was back when uh, our mutual friend, friend of the podcast, Brady Toops, was on it. That's right. Uh, yeah. But really have not uh, been been in it before or since. Lucky um, for you, I've never missed a full episode. Of okay, so a you maybe are aware of this. So I'm here for you. Yeah, yeah. 
I want your I want your hot take on this, and Jesse, I want your take on this too because uh, this this is involved. This gets into your uh, this is your wheelhouse. I think, okay, for uh, person research <laughs> relevant coverage. So apparently, correct me anybody, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these details because I'm really out of my. They're unimportant. Here. They're unimportant. But go ahead. <laughs> but they're but on the bachelor right now. There's a, there's a bunch of guys vying for the hand of a, of a young woman. Am I right so far on what yes, what's happening right. here? Sounds You're about right. right. And one of the and and these guys also have plenty of time to just kind of sit around and like talk about stuff talk about life and get to know each other a little bit one of these gentlemen's name is uh, is lincoln uh he's i'm looking at a picture he's a very handsome guy he's been kind of so happy you're bringing this slice i'm so happy about this and he's kind of a is he is he kind of a fan favorite give give me before we get into it what i'm going to talk about annie give me what's the take on lincoln so far he's great he's british People like he's, him. Uh, uh, all right. He's a yeah, people think he's a great guy. He's a, he's really a, he's a handsome guy. He's he's up until what you're about to tell us, everyone has thought him to be a sensible, reasonable human on the planet. Well, and then well there there is a there is a red flag in this assessment of Lincoln. Uh, so they were so Jesse, we were looking, we're looking at some cutscenes. We're looking at some some uh, just shots of the guys talking around. For some reason, the guys on The Bachelor are, are having a, con- a conversation about the world. Uh, somebody briefly mentions that the world is round, and here comes Lincoln in oh, with no. the hot tank. He says, "I personally think." I just need a little more evidence that the earth is round. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. A flat earther has infiltrated the flat, flat earther on the bachelorette. Oh so my when gosh. One, the rest of the bachelors to their credit, uh, say one of them brings up the fact that, uh, explorers had traveled around the, how, how explorers traveled around the world. If the earth was flat, Lincoln says by just traveling in friction and gravity, do you know <gasps> yes. why you can walk on the earth and not slip off? Friction. He, he just says. kept saying friction. Okay. He also oh. said the earth had corners, Jesse. <laughs> Listen, yeah. y'all, when we are watching it, my, we have a group of girls that watch it. And as soon as he says it, I yell, oh my gosh, Lincoln is a flat earther. I can't believe he's a flat earther. And all the girls are like, that's a category of people. That's and a I was thing. Like, y'all need yeah. to get about that relevant podcast because we are big fans of flat earthers around there. Okay. As you guys, I'm so glad that they, that the flat earth movement has infiltrated reality TV because oh already deep gosh. in the NBA, like Kyrie yeah, Irvin, yeah, Kyrie yeah, yeah. Irvin, uh, who is not only the premier point guard in the NBA, the best point guard in the league. He also uh, spent a year at Duke University, a premier, one of the best schools in the entire world. And he what? he doesn't he won't identify himself as a flat earther, but he certainly doesn't b- believe with certainty that the earth is round. Like he's he, just not convinced. He's say, he's agnostic. He is yeah, uh, yeah. earth sh- earth shape agnostic. I actually had someone on Facebook the other day that I I know. I wouldn't say I'm like you know friends with, but they're an acquaintance that uh, you know I know from church. Um, say that they've converted to be a flat earther. Like they oh have gosh. seen the evidence. <laughs> they oh, have they have reviewed the evidence. In my heart, I want to do it. I want one. I want one opportunity that convinces me just to ask the question, not to totally convert. I just want to ask the question, is there a chance because I've never seen the globe from the space, the space, from space, space, could we actually have a flat earth? I don't know. I I may be asking more questions than y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you you legitimately asking that, Annie? (laughs) Are you like, how close are, or where are you on the scale? Yeah, on on the flat earth scale. The earth is like, the earth is round. We all know the earth is round. Other side of the scale earth is flat it's where do you fall yeah, on the spectrum. where do you fall on the spectrum 
I'm still for sure if if I'm I'm still way farther down the down the. It's a yes or it's this is a simple question. This is (laughs) this is distressing. On a one to ten, how certain are you that the Earth is shaped like a ball? One to ten, and not and not a dinner plate. That is a ball. One is a plate. Well, also Lincoln to to slice back. Lincoln would tell you it's shaped. It's shaped like a little Caesar's pizza. He would say it's shaped like a little Caesar's pizza. That it's not. Which by the way, way, that's the main dig on Little Caesars. Like their cheese is delicious. There's no reason to cut that pizza like a square. What kind of socio? (laughs) It's like it's like Burger King. Those corners on the cheeseburgers are disgusting. Like just cut it. Just shape it like a natural patty, not like it was pressed in like a factory. Okay, that's a side point. I, I'm saying flat around how certain are you that proud? <laughs> Ten is a ball. One is a plate or a Little or, Caesars. Yeah, or yeah, some some <laughs> some piece of food that's square for no reason. I mean, clearly, I'm gonna go with like a nine point seven five. But before that's I knew y'all, I was a ten. That's point two I was five. a ten until Three. I met y'all and we started talking yeah. about this, and now I'm a nine point seven five. Uh, oh, wow. so, I think y'all would be wise to join me at nine point seven five because none of y'all convinced. have been to space. Yeah, but but, it, <laughs> oh my gosh. but some people have and yeah, have taken pictures from there. It, I'm listening no, it to doesn't matter experts. to me, Andre. It doesn't matter to me that some people have. None of us have. And so that's why I, I hear you. I've seen the you're pictures. You're sounding like you're at seven or six right now. No, yeah. 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 You're sounding concerningly like that number is sliding down the scale. No, I, you know, I I did. Uh, I, I've been working on a piece. I don't know. I You know, a little behind the curtain. We, we work on We keep a lot of pieces in motion. Sometimes stuff get published at different points. But I spent uh, some time working on a piece about conspiracy theories that you may read in a future issue of our magazine. And to do oh, I so, wait. I talked to some people who are experts in the field of conspiracy, the psychology of conspiracy theories. But I also kind of took a really a deeper dive than I normally do. And I've listened to hours of podcasts that uh, that that the whole premise of the podcast is to talk about the flat earth movement. Like that's <sighs> literally what they discuss is is. No, you will slide me down the scale. I got to stay away from that stuff. You, I, well, We should say, (laughs) we should say with absolute certainty the earth is round and uh, (laughs) conventional models of gravity. This podcast oh. stands for the round earth theory. Yeah, yeah okay. I will say that. But, but, but the, the, the crazy Does thing. Does the Bible say the earth is round? Uh, <laughs> yes. but, 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 okay, but here's the thing. Sure. The, uh, this is another. This is a whole other topic. We can go down this rabbit hole if you guys want. I mean, we're already here. But like the the other <laughs> thing is like reading the Bible as a science right textbook, now. right? Like you know, uh-huh. it, sure. like th- there's a lot of theories that people will deduce and, and make their conclusions about different scientific matters is what they interpret the Bible to say. But we have to remember, you know, not all of the Bible was meant to be scientifically literal. Uh, I don't know what it's, I think, I think people on both sides of the quote unquote debate will use scripture to kind of uh, prop up their side about the shape of the earth. But uh, the, the crazy thing is how prominent in culture 
something like the shape of the earth has become up for, like you said, a debate. Like when I first heard the flat earth theory, the flat earth, like the flat earth movement years ago, I thought it was like, I thought it was like the, 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 um, satanic temple, right? Like the Satanists that yeah, like, like trolls. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's, it's metaphorical. Right. Right. It's metaphorical. Right. Like right. They, they're mm-hmm. saying this not literally as a flat earth, but it's, it's like a comment. It's like an esoteric commentary about the nature of reality and truth. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who actually succumb like believe this now yeah a lot of a lot of people who believe in flat earth have biblical reasons like my relatives <gasps> who i uh what? mentioned several times that my my relatives who think that the earth is flat cite the bible for doing so and they also say those things guys, like well you know like conspiracy theories and all this kind of stuff and i don't know like the you're idea- gonna lose me if someone doesn't tie a rope around me and keep me up here on the on the top well, and, on the round globe just real quick like just when we talk about like how we know things right like none of us have been to space like there right. are also, That's what I'm saying, there are also, pe- there are also people who say five slide there are also but, but, people who say that the, things like the holocaust didn't happen and so like we we get oh, on this okay well let's well, well, I mean, when we start talking, but you weren't there. That, that exactly though, like it's yeah, the yeah. same. It's the same My epistemology God. to say, like, well, I wasn't there. Like, I can't believe that that something like that, that could happen. Is like, it's just not a good way. That's just not a good epistemology. And I, I keep using that word, and I know that everyone that's listening may not know that. But it's like oh, the way that we know things isn't just by like firsthand experience. And so, like, we all can't take a trip to the moon. Although. Side note, Elon Musk's company is making that possible if you want to like be a tourist and go to the moon and check it out for yourself. But um, we can, I think that we do have to like start, I think that we do have to trust like what other people have said who have studied and researched in areas that we haven't because otherwise we're going to have a culture where everyone thinks like the only things that are real are the things that I've seen or the things that I can verify individually, you know, and yeah. it's just impossible. Hey, Andre. to know Andre's really way. tying a rope around me. Yeah, guys. Be, I appreciate because, that because I've never seen, I've never seen, um, a germ or I've never seen a cell or I've never seen, um, you know, this anything at a microscopic level at night and think about, <laughs> you know, but, 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 but like I have a firm understanding they exist, you know, yeah. like if, if, because if you're reliant on 100% on the only things that you've observed, then I mean, your worldview is going to be incredible limited, incredibly limited because you can only observe and intake so much information as an, as a, with your own eyes, you right. know, we need each other in order to know anything about the world. That just is yeah. what it is. You know, in order for us to gain knowledge and to have knowledge and to to live knowledgeably in the world, we we need other people who have information that we don't have to impart that to us. And we can still verify that, you know, in different ways. But we do that communally. We do that together. Yeah, that's yeah. OK. But can you just get the scriptures that your family uses, though, for me, Andre? And just, I just would like oh, to read. My OK, here we go. Get- here we go. Let's I can give you one because this is a this is like a popular one. Right. Is, a flat earthing uh, scripture. This is I, I mean, you've tied your rope around me. You're right. We I can't see everything. I mean, I happily believe in God and fully 100 yeah. percent believe in God. And I've never seen him. And the scripture yeah. even says, even though you haven't seen him, you love him, right? I mean, I, I'm yeah. with you. This isn't a God thing. This is just an earth thing. Go ahead. Okay. So this idea is an ancient cosmology, right? That basically we live, <laughs> I don't know how deep I want to go to this, but basically like, like there's a dome that covers like a, a, a flat earth, right? 
Um, and that comes from Genesis. That's kind, that kind of comes from Genesis one. Like that is the understanding of the way that the earth is made is that there's like this solid sky that we call the firmament where the stars are literally like placed in that solid structure, you know? And yeah. so people often refer to Genesis one to talk about like the Bible says that the earth is flat. Um, but, but, also, go but ahead. I was going to say j- just as a, a side note to that point, like even like answers in Genesis, who's an organization who their entire, the entire premises of their existence, whether, you know, we probably have listeners in our audience who, are, you know, believe in what they call young earth creationism is to analyze the book of Genesis as literally as possible and to try to deduce what it's saying scientifically about the nature of creation. And even they, the most, the, the, the people who take the book of Genesis as literally as you can possibly take it, right? They have a museum that where there's like a dinosaur with a saddle on it, right? Because they believe that man walked <gasps> with dinosaurs, right? They have a museum e- with a dinosaur with a saddle on it? Yes. yes. So, but even well, they, they, vacation. even they <laughs> don't believe the earth is flat, you know? Even yeah. they believe in the expanses of space yeah. and, you know, they, they believe that gravity works the way that we understand it to work and that, you know, like we have four seasons because of how the earth rotates around the sun, you know, not yeah. the other way around. I mean, you could go back like there, you can find any biblical justification for any kind of scientific belief you want. Going back to, you know, putting Galileo on a heresy trial because right. he believed in heliocentric, a heliocentric model of the universe, not a geocentric. And right. the Catholic Church said, if you're suggesting that the earth revolves around the sun and that all of the universe doesn't revolve around the earth, which we know it's the opposite. You know, they said you're a heretic because right. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So if you're using the Bible as something that is the authority on science, not something that complements what we can observe and understand, then there's a chance you could run into some problems, as has happened throughout history. And there are a lot of verses that talk about to the ends of the earth. Right. So that's yeah. taking that literally it's instead of figuratively. Right. And they talk yeah. about the corners of the earth in the Bible and things like yeah. that. Or as far as the east is from the west, you know, like, right. in, in a, right. but, but, but again, like there's a poetic nature to the Bible. There's a lit, you know, th- there are literary devices at play when the Bible is written, <sighs> you know, not, not that it's some weird scientific code about a conspiracy that'll crop up in, you know, thousands of years later. Yeah, but two things, right? Like read any of those verses where those references are corners of the earth, ends of the earth, you know, the firmament, read any of those scriptures and convince me that that is actually the point of that passage, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that they're not using poetic license to make a larger point. Right. right? You know what I mean? Like the the script, none of those scriptures are actually about the cosmology of the earth. They're just assumptions that the writers have already made about how it exists. You know, and then the other thing is that there are other there are other scriptures that mention things about nature that we're not looking at and saying, well, it has to be like that. Like in Joshua, right. it says that the sun stood still. Sun doesn't move. Right. But we're not still arguing about a heliocentric versus a geocentric universe, though. So, like, you know, we just can't. I just think that we're getting like when we start arguing about these things and a lot of a lot of flat earthers are Christians and have <laughs> have religious reasons to argue for a flat earth. You know, we're we're going down these tangents about what the text is actually trying to tell us. 
and missing the actual point of what those passages are about to begin That's with. And, and right. the other thing, the other thing is like where it gets kind of like dangerous is like, well, if if the underpinnings of like a basic understanding are at risk, then what about something like climate change or something exactly. that has like real consequence where it's like, well, we can prevent this and prevent people from suffering, but we have to have buy-in that our understanding of science is accurate or else, you know, things that like vaccines or something like that, that, that is at play where there's real human consequences. If we, you know, like undermined the, the roots of kind of our understanding of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Under, underneath this are, like underneath like the argument of like what shape is the earth are all of those things that you're talking about are like, I mean, most people I think are really arguing, can we trust the Bible underneath that, you yeah. know, underneath that, that conversation about the, the shape of the earth is, well, is the Bible good enough to be trusted to, to, you know, be read for exactly what it says on the page, you know, or are there nuances in interpretation um, when we're arguing it from that angle? Yeah. Yikes. Okay. All right. Also, this is to to apologizing for not being as deep as y'all. Also, no one has ever shown me a picture of the corner of the earth, and they've shown me a lot of pictures of globes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. To say, really. yeah. I mean, one of our re- one of our relevant news videos has like footage from that car that Elon Musk launched into space, and you see the curvature of the earth, like it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm, I, I'm with you. The Bible is all true. Every word of the Bible is true. And pictures from st- space can be trusted. These are our two takeaways today. That's why I'm at 9.75, you guys. Just just let me ask a 2.25 question. I will say this. If it's another shape, I'm going to be disappointed if it's flat. Because we could be something cool like an octagon or something. Yeah. <laughs> a rhombus. Or like one of those things that y'all's kids probably have that is that is shaped like an octagon, but it's also a globe that they put the different shapes in at all the different sides. Oh yeah. 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 It's like the little star, like the triangle, right? Where we th- have yeah. sharp edges. Yeah. We have sharp edges that we could fall <laughs> off. And we just I don't. think we bury the lead a little here. Did he get a rose? Did this gentleman, did the flat <laughs> earther? I don't think Annie, Annie would know better than me. I don't know. Annie is the flat earther know, still yes. on the show. He's we still went on the way show. down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I forgot she even how we know. got there. <laughs> Uh, no, Ray, she doesn't the know bachelorette yet. does not know. No, it happened. It happened behind the scenes. So she doesn't oh know um, that that he is a flat earther. Oh, so she's not even a she could she could marry this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And still yeah, not. And, and that would be a that'd be a rough way. Well, do we know like, that she's not a, a flat earther? <laughs> as a woman in the dating scene, I have not recently thought to check and double check on where people are in flat earth. <laughs> is it a deal breaker? Is it a deal breaker? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it a deal breaker to him that I have some questions? That's the just real bring up, question. Just, just bring up the question of like, just like, like, hey, I'm thinking like an around the world cruise and see what he, <laughs> see what his reaction is. Specifically, I want to start here, go in a due west line, and come back here. Is that cool with you? Is that good? Are you due west? Are you cool with that? Is there oh any gosh. reason that we would not be able to do that? As far as what you believe about scripture and the planet (laughs) all right andre what do you got for your slice man okay so my slice i'm super excited about this and i know that it's like a it's a really nerdy thing but mcdonald's is testing out an alternative to plastic straws they've already done this in the uk they've changed to paper straws okay and now they are going to be they haven't announced exactly what they're going to like what the material they're going to use for their american stores are but they're thinking or some fast company thinks that there'll be paper straws as well. 
Um, I get super excited about this because uh, I get stressed out by plastic because I know yeah. that there's like a huge plastic mound somewhere in the ocean where mm. all of our plastic mm. is going. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm super excited about this because I try not to use plastic straws and things like that. So there it is. There's the story. Do you know, I've stopped using plastic um, bags at the produce section and the grocery store because you don't have to. You can just put the yeah. things in your cart. And oh. then and so I that's I, and I bring my own bags to the grocery store because I'm I'm with you, Andre. I'm trying to fight the plastic. So I just I, put I, them straight in my cart and then in my bag. I yeah. get all the plastic out of my house. I, I shoved it all right down the storm drain and just not thinking about it. Like, out of sight. No, it's just cool. Like, when you, when you read about how, like, detrimental, like, there was some stat about, like, K cups. And again, this is, this is assuming oh, no. that you believe the moon is where, you know, contemporary scientists believe it is. But, like, you could stat K cups, all the K cups used in, like, a year up. And I can't remember this. It's something insane. Like, you could go to the moon and back, like, three times. And that plastic is impossible to break down because that, that, like, the K cups are meant to, uh, you know, handle like super, super heated temperatures. And so, oh, once sure. you, if you throw a K cup is a K cup forever. Like it will never break down because of wow. how it's made. Yeah. So that's terrifying. Um, yeah. But, but a I think yeah, it's a good... K cup forever because they can't melt it. Oh, geez. This is, yeah. This and the flatter stuff's going to keep me up tonight for sure. Uh, huh? <laughs> One of those is worth staying up. One of those. <laughs> we just need to go to the edge of the earth and throw all the K cups off. That's just throw them off idea. the edge. Just put it on a ship, set the navigation yeah. at east, and just not and worry just about send it. it off. And they say that you and can't make it to the edge of the earth. It's too yeah, far. Like I said, just a big barge of garbage. Just send it. Just, <laughs> just see you later. Uh, Man, that's, see you. that's another way you're going to keep me tied to the to the round earth theory. Because if we could, um, Americans for sure would have figured out how to dump garbage off the edge of the earth if there was an <laughs> exactly. edge of the earth. <laughs> that was an option. <laughs> just to dump yeah. stuff off the side. We would have done it a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, we're back to 9.8. That cost them 0.5. That cost the flat earthers 0.05. That, that, that alone, I feel like, is good evidence. Like, <laughs> yeah, if I could just it. do what I do at crumbs on my <laughs> kitchen table or at a fast food restaurant, <laughs> which is just push them all right off the side and don't worry about it. It. Someone will clean that up. That, we will <laughs> figure that out by Someone, now. Some guardian of the galaxy will collect all that business. Yeah, all those yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just falling there. on a pile of turtles that are lifting our uh, planet up. Okay, so uh, final final slice here. I, this is a device. Oh, good. You're bringing one. I was hoping you were. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm still going to bring one. Uh, uh, a device called the Sensor Wake. Uh, they recently did a Kickstarter campaign for this. It's sold out in four minutes. It's on back order now. So you have to sign up for a waiting list to get to this device. And it's an alarm clock that wakes you up by smell. All right. So <gasps> it doesn't have like, so I, I get almost, sometimes I literally get anxiety when I hear a iPhone alarm going off because all I, the main way I know it is sure. from it waking me up out of a dead sleep. Like sure. the iPhone yeah. alarm. <laughs> like, and I've switched it and it doesn't matter. It's like horrible. Mm. So, uh, this company has figured out a way that they think that they can wake people up more gently by using smells. So what you do is you have these little inserts that you put into a box. And when it's time to wake up, it'll smell like a latte, a pine forest, a peppermint, tea, or a juice. is a nice idea. Yeah. So oh, orange juice. That's my favorite drink. Here's my only thing is like if if I'm waking up and I smell latte and then I realize there's no latte, I would have just rather had the buzzer go. <laughs> this sounds like a terrible idea. Why don't I just put a latte machine by my bed that's gonna make me a latte 
like on a timer. I, I don't get this right. idea. You see, you're waking up, you start your day disappointed. So the sensor wake, I'm not a big fan, but evidently a lot of people are. So, uh, I thought you were going to yeah. go that it smells what would bad. You pick like to it's smell like a bad if- smell that you want to like stop it. You know what I mean? So you yeah, have to like sulfur. Off. Yeah. Or yeah, diapers. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, give me a you, if you could pick any smell to wake up to, what would you pick? Like if it was a choose your own adventure, what smell I'll would y'all say pick? This. I'll tell you what would get me out of bed. If it smells like smoke, like there's a fire, 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 get up. Oh my God. But then you, when you really have a fire and you're just slamming your telephone trying to turn off your alarm and your house is burning down. It's a dangerous game you're playing. Dangerous game. But yeah, right. it's this is obviously right. pulled from the great episode of The Office where Michael Scott tries to wake <laughs> himself up with the smell of bacon by putting a George Foreman at the foot of his right. bed. <laughs> I like to wake up to the smell of bacon. So sue me. Y'all are so good at keeping office references in your brain i'm oh, always impressed running, by them it's a running cycle in my it's head mostly right now. It's, it's mostly just, what's in my head it's it's, it's just projection on the screen it's ways to refute flat earth and office references it's my <laughs> the yeah. entirety well, good. i need of both my, of those in my life pretty seriously so keep them both coming either. all right well that'll do it for slices next up our listener of the week You're listening to Claro and Danny L. Harrell. The The song is Bombed, B-O-M-D, with periods in between. B-O-M-D. What a jam. What a jam. I think it stands for Boy of My Dreams. That's in there. Oh, look at that. Boy, my dreams. Oh, did you say with periods in between? <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Top Bunk with the song Figure It Out. Uh, well, Matthew Sorens is the U.S. Director of Church Mobilization at World Relief. He's a national coordinator at the Evangelical Immigration Table, and he's the co-author, along with Jenny Yang, of the book Welcoming uh, the Stranger. Welcoming the Stranger. A new edition of the book is actually launching soon. We recently spoke with Matthew about the book, uh, the immigration situation, and how Christians can help. When we were able to talk to Matthew, who was actually in El Paso, Texas, where he was able to go right outside one of the large child detention centers there that have popped up on the border to tell us what the situation's like on the ground and give us perspective about the crisis. Here is our conversation with Matthew Sorens. So tell me a little bit when when you went to to try to get as close to these ten cities as as possible, these temporary holding areas. What were people saying? What were you able to see? You know, we could get there's a certain property that is owned by the county that we could be on, and then there's other property that that is either owned by the federal government or is private property that we were not allowed onto, and you know we were not certainly allowed to go into the facility and. You know, I don't. I'm not. I don't mean to sound outraged by that. They have to protect children, and I wouldn't expect them to let just everyone who shows up to come into their facility. Um, but you know, it's a. You can see it in the distance. It's, just, it's like the top of big white tents. Um, and I, I was told actually by a, a friend who lives here in El Paso that you can see it a lot better on the Mexican side of the border, um, which is maybe maybe intentional that you know it's supposed to be a deterrent, at least according to some administrative administration officials. Um, I think people have focused a lot on like, well, what are the conditions inside? And that's important for sure. But to me, the, the most significant factor here that's very, very troubling is these are kids who, in many cases, there's, there's people, kids in that facility who showed up without a parent, 
but there's also kids who showed up with their parents who were taken away from their parents um, because of this zero tolerance policy that that is still happening and I think that's important to understand because even uh, yesterday as we were there the president was signing an executive order um, there's some positive things about that executive order at least in its intentions I think to say let's stop separating families but the underlying zero tolerance policy is still in place which really leaves a lot of questions of how they're going to avoid separating families um, because of some existing court uh, decrees that are there and existing law. So either they're going to have to change some laws or defy a court order or get the judge to change their mind. So there's just a lot of questions right now. So just to kind of, you know, and I know this, so we're, we're talking on um, Thursday morning and this will be up on Friday. So a lot, you know, the way things are changing now, things could change between now and then. But as of now, the executive order basically says that, in, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, the zero tolerance policy is still in place so that if you are caught crossing the border illegally, you will be detained, be detained for an indefinite amount of time until a court date. But instead of being separated, they're going to detain families together. Is that is that essentially what this executive order says? That's what the executive order says is their intention. Uh, it also acknowledges in the executive order that it's that there has already been uh, a consent decree, a decision from a judge, and this was negotiated back in the Clinton administration, that children cannot be detained for more than 20 days. And, and a judge clarified, Judge Gee, um, that... Uh, you can't detain children even with their parents for more than 20 days. So what they're basically doing is telling that judge, you need to change your mind because we need to detain these families. And what they have not said yet to anything I've read and have been following this pretty closely is, well, what will happen when you hit those 20 days that a family's been detained and the courts say you have to not detain that child anymore? Do you take your child away from the parents at that point and keep the parents in detention? Do you release them with, let's say, an ankle bracelet or something like that, which is what would have happened in the past in many cases, um, to say, you know, if we don't think you're a threat to anyone, you're, there's no criminal history here, your only criminal violation might be this misdemeanor charge for improper entry, which in the past, before the zero tolerance policy, that would, you know, they would use that charge in some cases under past administrations. But if you were here to request asylum and you were here with children, it would be very unlikely that you would have been charged criminally. Like just the same way that a police officer, you know, if you're speeding, 75 miles on the highway and you're 10 miles over, but he stops you and finds out that you're on your way to the, to the emergency room with a child with a seizure in the back seat. You know, most police officers are going to exercise discretion at that point. And in the same way, federal law enforcement has historically exercised discretion when people are coming to present the case for asylum, which U.S. law allows them to do. Um, and that's the policy that is not changed at all in any way by the executive order. That zero tolerance policy from the Department of Justice is still in place. The the you know I think for a lot of people who watched the press conference with uh, Secretary Nielsen, uh, she would you know one point that she was making that I didn't really have a great understanding of. She was saying, you know, we can we'll still accept people that are uh, requesting asylum that want to come legally, but only through designated ports of entry. Where are those ports of entry, and is it even accessible to people who are coming from, let's say, Central America? Yeah, so a port of entry is basically a, it's a border crossing, a you know, designated border crossing. Like if you've ever been to San Diego and the border with Tijuana, it's a very large, you know, structure with a, surrounded by walls. Here in El Paso, there's one over a bridge over to Ciudad Juarez. For, there's two few things to know that are really important. I mean, is it accessible to Central Americans if they can get across all of Mexico? Um, they can get to those ports of entry, but 
one of the challenges we've had, and there's been press reports of this, and actually I missed this because my flight was delayed, but uh, some friends of mine uh, here in El Paso told me yesterday morning they've witnessed this firsthand. I saw the video of it. Um, there was a Guatemalan woman who basically walked onto the bridge at the port of entry to try to request asylum, and she's been doing this for several days, uh, apparently. And the Border Patrol agents basically stop halfway off the bridge to, to, to inform her that there's not they don't have the capacity to accept a claim for asylum at that moment. So she, if she can get onto U.S. soil, legally she has her right to request asylum, but they're preventing her from getting onto U.S. soil um, where she could do so. Now, in this case yesterday, in part because there was a bunch of media there, um, after about an hour of her basically being blocked, they decided to, to let her come on and process her case. So, um, you know, sometimes it works, but it's, there's been a number of credible reports that they're not consistently allowing people to request asylum at ports of entry. And so then some people have done what is, it is also, uh, the law says you can request asylum basically at any point that you either present yourself or are apprehended by, uh, by immigration officials. You have the right to request asylum. And so other people are availing themselves to that option, but then they're being charged criminally concurrently um, for improper entry. When uh, earlier this week, um, Press Secretary Sanders uh, held a press conference and, you know, responding to some of the 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 outrage, you know, she said, well, if if and I'm paraphrasing, but some, along the lines of it, well, if Christians and religious leaders are upset about this, maybe they should just open their churches and the churches can help. And for a lot of people, they want to do that. They want to help these families. They want to help these children. What are some ways that individuals and church communities can do what Press Secretary Sanders said? Suggested. Well, I, I would say for the particular pe- children at the center of this debate, there's probably not much that churches can do because you, churches can't access those kids. They're in secure facilities. And again, there's there's reason there's good reasons that they're in secure facilities. You don't want just anyone, you know, without a background check wandering in and helping people. But um, that, you know, I think it's probably a little disingenuous to suggest, well, why don't you just go help them? Well, there are, I can tell you, there are many, many churches that have reached out to us that would love to help. And for those particular kids, I mean, I just had someone ask, can we do a drive of stuffed animals? And then I had to say, I, we don't have any way to get those stuffed animals for those children. Um, but um, there are other asylum seeking families, you know, who, like if you, who were not detained or who are detained for 20 days, which is what the court allow and then are released in some cases. Um, I'm, you know, a friend of mine here in El Paso runs an organization called Ciudad Nueva, uh, like New City in, in Spanish, out of an Anglican, connected with an Anglican church here that is doing, you know, really great work to help people when they are released from detention to connect, you know, sometimes it's getting on a bus and getting to their family in, in Alabama or New, New North Carolina or wherever they need to go elsewhere in the country. Um, so there's that sort of thing. The other thing that we've been doing at World Relief, uh, you know, we don't have a physical presence here on the border. We've got about 20, 25 offices around the country that do immigrant legal services. So we've actually, and we've just made this decision yesterday that we think we can we can do this and we've been able to confirm that it would, it would be helpful. We're sending some of our immigration attorneys from other parts of the country down to the border area to whether that's helping process asylum, you know, prepare people for asylum cases or wherever we can, they can be helpful. I and mean, that's something that, you know, local churches can help, can help fund. It costs money to, to transport people and to get them down here. Um, so people can find out about that at worldrelief.org as well. But there are there are some things that can be done. And then on a very like high level, I mean, there's organizations like the Catholic Bishops and like Bethany Christian Services that work with the Department of Health and Human Services to provide foster care for unaccompanied minors. That is like a very high level of commitment. So please don't just do this on a whim. But um, it is an incredible you know, way to serve those kids. 
I, I would be really clear. I mean, I, I have friends who work with Bethany who, and they've been outspoken in the media. They're going to find the very best foster families they can for these kids. But when they're not really coming unaccompanied, it's not that they're showing up without their parents, but they're being taken away from their parents or have been taken away from their parents. About 2,000 of those kids at this point. Those kids should be with their parents. Like they'll find them the best foster family possible, but they should be with their parents. And it's also really concerning because at this point, the executive order it says we're going to stop separating families. I hope that's the case, though there's some legal questions. But what happens to the 2,000 kids who are currently in a facility? And there, there hasn't at this point been a plan that we've been able to hear. Again, I hope by the time you post this tomorrow, there might be. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty skeptical that there's an orderly process here where to figure out you know, where those children are, where their parents are. And if their parents are still in detention, well, how are you, you can't, you know, how do they plan to get them back to them if, unless they're going to move them to a family detention facility? Those are going to fill up pretty quickly uh, if they're going to detain people for longer than 20 days, which is going to put them in violation of a court decree anyway. So there's just a ton of questions. I mean, I was talking to a, a reporter yesterday who was trying to figure this out. And I think that's the place we're at right now is trying to figure out what this looks like going forward. Along the, the lines of the how the Bible informs how Christians should think about issues like refugees and asylum and immigration, you have a new edition of a book that you co-authored with Jimmy with Jenny Yang, uh, Welcoming the Stranger, coming out. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the book what in, and what inspired it. Yeah, so the, the book came out initially back in 2009. It's, been, it's almost been 10 years, really because, you know, I was actually pretty young at the time. I think I was 23 and was working as a legal counselor at World Relief and really, you know, understanding immigration law for the first time in my life, but also really being challenged to look at what the Bible has to say on this topic, which I managed to grow up in a great church, learning the Bible and never really having been challenged to think about how it would apply to the topic of immigration. And as I really dug into that personally, I realized how oh, the Bible says a ton about this topic. Like there's so much in the scriptures that relate to, uh, to the immigrant. There's 92 references in the Old Testament to the Hebrew word ger, which is the word for that for a foreigner, a resident alien, an immigrant. So uh, we wrote this book back in 2009, uh, my colleague Jenny and I, and we decided uh, a few months ago, you know what, so much has changed, some for better, some for worse. But we just basically really almost entirely rewrote the book. I'd say more than half of it is new uh, because the policy dynamics have certainly changed, the political dynamics. Uh, unfortunately, at this moment, it's gotten a lot harder for immigrants, and that's true for those who are undocumented, who are here unlawfully. It's also true for those who are lawfully present or for those trying to come lawfully. There's a lot of efforts to restrict legal migration right now. In fact, we're seeing a vote in the House of Representatives um, today to cut legal migration by about 40 percent. Uh, on the other hand, we've seen a lot of positive movement, from my view, in the church. It was hard to find any, especially evangelical churches, the Catholic churches has always been really outspoken. Mainline Protestants have, have done more on this. But 10 years ago, it was pretty difficult to find an evangelical Christian who anyone had heard of who had an opinion on immigration that they were willing to share publicly. And that's changed really dramatically in 10 years. Uh, leadership of, of most major denominations has speak, spoken out on this. Lots of college, Christian college presidents and seminary presidents and you know authors and pastors of very large churches have said, this is an important issue. It's important to God's heart. We find that in scripture. It's also an issue that's affecting the body of Christ. The fastest growth in American evangelicalism, frankly, maybe the only growth at a net level, is happening in immigrant communities and among and among their children, the second generation as well. And that's you know that's something to celebrate, but also it means that if one part of the body is suffering, every part suffers with it. And so the whole of the church needs to care about what's happening. 
to immigrants on an individual level and, and on a structural level with immigration policy. That was Matthew Sorens. Next up, our listener of the week. Considering a degree in counseling, Asbury Theological Seminary offers a KCREP accredited Master's of Arts in Mental Health Counseling degree. At Asbury Seminary, you can choose from one of three Master's of Arts in Counseling degrees in Marriage and Family, Pastoral Care, and Mental Health Counseling, all from a Christian worldview. There's still time to apply for this fall at asburyseminary.edu or call 844-G-O-T-O-A-T-S. That's 844-GO-TO-A-T-S. You're listening to Jasper Bones. The song is I Can't Stay. All right, so this week's this week's Listener of the Week is another uh, one that uh, Mark has found scouring Twitter for the most interesting people <laughs> in the world. And uh, this is an international caller. We're actually taking this call all the way from South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Jan Louis. Jan Louis, did I pronounce that right? That's perfect, JC. Well done. Hello, guys. It's nice to meet you. It feels like... I know you all. <laughs> yeah, great, I love great this time. so yeah, much. You... This is our first time ever having an international friend on. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, Louis, tell us what you do there in South Africa. Yeah, I'm in South Africa at the moment. I'm in Johannesburg. So it's like 6 p.m. in the evening here. Um, so I'm at work. I should be at home, but I'm still at work, unfortunately. But uh, at least I've got <laughs> you guys to take my mind off that right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of work are we currently distracting you from? Okay, so I'm a mechanical engineer, but I'm currently working as a management consultant um, in the mining industry. So there's a lot of traveling to and from different mines, and um, podcast is one of my favorite ways to cope with that. Um, I love the two-episodes-per-week format. Um, it just doubles the fun for me. <laughs> Good. We give you more. We distract you more often than we used to. I'm proud of that. We're distracting you from two, what it sounds like, multiple very important jobs that you're doing. We're That's glad right. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right, yeah, JC. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave us three interesting facts about you. I'm going to read them one by one, and I want to hear a little bit of the story behind this. Uh, you were in, it says, boarding school slash hostel slash university residence for 16 years from ages oh, wow. 6 to 22. I think a lot of oh. us in the U.S. don't really have... Con- My only context for something like this like, is like a Hogwarts. Tell us about what this is really, what this is really like. Yeah, it's almost like that, but uh, my parents uh, live on a farm, which is about 20 miles. I'm going to use miles for, for the U.S. listeners. I'm a kilometer guy, but I'm going to use miles for you guys. So they live Thank about you. 20 miles from the nearest small town. And so since grade one, hostel was a given. Um, and then I went to high school in a city, which was about 80 miles away from the farm. Um, and I only ever went home on weekends. And then Rez was in a town 700 miles away from my childhood home. So that was also a given that I had to be in Rez for that. Did, was that a positive experience? Did you like it? Did you cause I mean, lots I, of shenanigans in the dorms? Yeah, always. Um, definitely. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. 
Um, you really have to learn to be independent from a very young age. And the stories about Rez is very similar to the stories that you always tell, Jesse, about your experiences at, uh, at, at Oral Roberts. Um, so, so similar stuff to that always happened. Lots of shenanigans, lots of good fun. The second story is actually related to that. So if you can ask me about the second fact, then I can give you a Probably one of my best stories. Oh, well, well, let's go there right now. <laughs> you once this is what really caught my eye, by the way. You once transported two crocodiles across South Africa in a tiny hatchback car. I want to know how the car ride went, what? but also how did you find yourself in that predicament? Okay, so in the race at Varsity, we had like a massive quad. Um, and in the quad, we always had all sorts of different animals like dogs and cats and goats and ducks and chickens and rabbits and it was like a regular zoo um, and also obviously the guys in res were also like a bunch of animals um, so uh, um, as part of our beginning of the year celebrations we have something called the quad nafal which is like a carnival in the quad um, and for that we decided it would be a good idea to organize some interesting mascots and somehow um, some guys from Pretoria, which is in the north of the country, organized two crocodiles from a crocodile farm. Um, and I was in the city at the time, and they told me to, to transport the two guys. Luckily, they were small crocodiles, so I had, to, um, I had to make the story sound a bit better than it actually is, but it was two small crocodiles about the size of a foot. Um, and we uh, transported them in a, in a cool box across the country. Um, and they lived in the in the quad for the duration of the of the quad nafal, um, and uh, and they were a big hit with the with the with the ladies, of course. Of course, of course. One lady does like a foot sized crocodile. That's <laughs> I have a question. When you're transporting crocodiles, the only thing I know to do from watching, uh, you know, you know, R.I.P. Steve Irwin and all of the 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 crocodile shows that are on TV is that you got to put electrical tape around their mouth. Did you have their mouth tape closed, or how did how did you prevent yourself from being attacked by the crocodiles during this road trip? No, this is Africa, man. We are hard, yeah. So we just uh, use our, our bare hands. So yeah, there was nothing. Oh. There was nothing. No protection. We are like we don't skate. No, you just bare handed oh, wow. it. No, <laughs> this story. This story's got a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, gosh. it sounds like you have a lot of experience with dangerous wildlife because your final <laughs> your final uh, fact was you were almost eaten by lions in the desert. Uh, what happened? What? Why were you in the desert with lions and how did you make it out alive? OK, so this is a, another um, varsity shenanigans story. So in the next year, in 2010, <laughs> like when it was soccer World Cup time in South Africa, um, our friend group decided to escape from the madness of the Vuvuzelas um, and borrow our parents' 4 by 4s to, to track across the Kalahari um, in a self-sustaining trip, you know. So uh, that's, that's what happened there. And uh, it being Africa, we managed to refuel one of the cars um, in one of the small villages with some contaminated fuel. And the car decided to break down in the middle of the desert just after sunset. Oh. Um, oh no! That's like that's like the start of a bad movie. Yeah, right. and of course you're not allowed to travel after sunset for reasons that will become apparent. Um, so uh, we had to get out of the car to turn it around. It's in a jeep track, you know, deep sand, very difficult to to move the car. Um, but we managed to turn it around just as the as the last daylight washed over the desert, and we towed it back to the gate. 
and our friends came with the other car to, to, to take us back to the campsite. And then on our way back, we found a female lion and a number of ju- juveniles. I think it was two or three young lions, like teenagers, like Simba, um, you know, during that, uh, that <laughs> transition where he's, wow. you know, where he's like a juvenile lion. Um, and they were smelling the tire uh-huh. tracks and sort of hanging around there where we minutes earlier were struggling to turn the car around to, to tow it to the gate. Oh yeah, that was amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, well, my gosh. it sounds like you know if things don't. It sounds like you have a pretty good gig going, and you're a very educated person working in very important fields. But if you don't, I would totally watch a wildlife show that you star in because it sounds like you almost die every episode, and that could make for a very wildlife episode. Well, yeah. well, well if, I have, if I have my friends with me, I will be hundred percent keen to to have a show like that. Well, oh, wait. Also, uh, can we pause? Can I pause and ask a question? Because he's the yeah. first man on the show to bring up something I deeply care about, which is the okay. World Cup. Who is your oh, team yeah. you are cheering for in the World Cup right now? So I don't know a lot about soccer, and you, uh, unfortunately, I'm more oh. of a rugby man. But uh, and, and to illustrate that fact, um, when people ask me that question, I asked like, um, "Is the Netherlands playing?" Um, so, so I, I thought the Netherlands was in the, in the World Cup, but they're unfortunately not. So my uh, second team would have to be. Yo, it's a difficult one. Uh, probably Germany because they're the defending champs okay. and I like winning. But uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's a great answer. Okay, yeah, thank you. That's, that's all I needed. Answer. I just needed someone to talk soccer with me here, and I made you do it. Thank you, Jan Louis. We appreciate you calling all the way from South Africa. We won't distract you from your work any longer. But thanks for calling and stay safe out there from man-eating predators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. All right, so if if you want to be uh, the listener of the week, you got to top that. You got to top almost getting eaten by lions and crocodiles. But hit us up on Twitter at uh, Relevant Podcast. We're interested to hear your stories, and hey, maybe we'll even have you on the show during work hours, and we can distra- distract you from what we're going to assume <laughs> is a very important from anywhere in the world job critical <laughs> project. That you yeah, it literally. Any corner of this saucer plate any floating corner, through. Any edge. We can call you from any edge. Whatever edge you're on, we'll call you. Uh, well, hey, listen, I want to thank Matthew Sorens for uh, in- letting us uh, talk to him today and helping to kind of inform how we think about the important issues happening right now. His The, the book is called Welcoming the Stranger. It's, he co-wrote it with Ginny Yang. should definitely check it out. Um, also, you can follow him at Twitter. He, I've been following him uh, particularly recently. Uh, a lot of great information about um, kind of some up-to-date things with immigration policy and the immigration debate. It's at Matthew Soren. So, Matthew, thanks for being on the show. Also, hey, subscribe to the new issue. Subscribe to Relevant Now. You can go to relevantmagazine.com uh, and you'll get the new issue. We also have a really exciting one coming up. I'm not going to give too much away because we're going to do a mu- new magazine issue pre uh, uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, so, I'll wait till then to talk about what's actually in it. But I will oh, say I this. Wait. You're not going to want to miss it. You are going to want to subscribe <gasps> now. It's a deal of a lifetime. Okay. Get hey, get a get a subscription for you, and get a subscription for like five people in your life that you love. Like pick the five people <laughs> you love the most, not the six, the five most that you love. Yeah, you know, throw in the six. Get them subscriptions too while you're there. Uh, hey, check us out. Uh, review us in uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we we always like hearing your feedback. Um, 
Well, hey, this is another one of the books. Cameron will be back next week. So if uh, if this has been barely listenable for you, stick with us. <laughs> <laughs> stick with us because it'll be back to normal next week. If uh, Cameron is the reason you come around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, thanks, you guys, for hanging in there. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Andre Henry. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. All right, everyone, have a good weekend. We'll see you on Wednesday. Isn't that what life's all about? Just trying to figure it out uh, I like to think that you can't fake love Or else we'd have it by now yeah. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. So why does this happen every time? Isn't that what life's all about? Just trying to figure it out. I use Couple Skate as a cooldown because I've been out there dominating a game of red light, green light. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.